which, which is an interesting point, actually. Spoilers on TV shows. What's the expiry date when you can talk to people about a TV show they haven't watched and spoil it for them? Six months, a year, two years? Because there's got to be an expiry hey, date listen, on where you've got to be I, allowed to talk about it, right? There's still people shocked about Red Wedding and Game of Thrones, you know, or, <laughs> or the, the beheading of Ned Stark. I yeah. mean, uh, that's, that's right. You can't that's say that. That's character. another spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> Welcome to Cloud Realities, a conversation show exploring the practical and exciting alternate realities unleashed through cloud-driven transformation. I'm Dave Chapman. I'm Shao Kazal. And I'm Rob Kernahan. And this week, it's Technovision time again. We're going to be talking about Technovision 2024, which is Capgemini's annual take on technology trends. It's going to be a two-part episode. In this first part, we're going to talk to the leader of Technovision, Ron Toledo, and Ron is going to take us through the core themes of this year's Technovision, as well as we're going to have a discussion about the trends themselves and how all the trends interact with each other. We're going to talk to Robert Engels and dive deeper into the conversation of the moment, which of course is AI, but actually how AI interconnects with the data of an organization and what needs to be done there. But before we get to that, Happy New Year to everybody listening. Uh, it is good to see you. We are back. Rob, Shalk, did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, it was all right. However, far too many family members descended on me. And then they were here for about four days. I'd like to say that house guests are a bit like fish. They go off very quickly. So um, <laughs> there was an intensity I had to deal with in the middle. However, either side of it, very relaxing. Very relaxing, yeah. Your tone, your tone really communicated a lot there, Rob. <laughs> yeah, the enthusiasm about <laughs> yeah. the festive hey, period. Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. Rob's here. <laughs> it's my New Year's resolution, be more grumpy. <laughs> Compared to that, I had a very boring, boring Christmas what period. What is wrong with you two? Very restful. That, that was a really good thing, yeah. So what did you get up to? What was your highlight? Highlight playing lots of games. Uh, yeah. Which one? Um, I finished Call of Duty, the new one. Right. Alan Wake. Oh, yes. I want to play that one. Alan Wake looks cool. And I started God of War, but Oof. still in the middle of that. Rob, what was your highlight? My highlight, I think you're going to expose my average Christmas here, Dave. Pair of socks and a bottle of whiskey. That'll do. <laughs> socks and a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> Very traditional, I would say. Very, Very traditional. traditional dad Christmas, I think yeah, you'd say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my highlight was I went to see the Stranger Things play in London. Uh, Oh, does that play on from the the last series, Series 4? It is a bridge between 4 and 5, but also prequel to the whole thing. No spoilers, Dave, no spoilers. No, I wouldn't make that mistake, Rob. No, I'm I'm a professional broadcaster. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really good. Like, if if you're in a city where that uh, that play pops up and you're into your Stranger Things, uh, good from a story point of view. The bridging's interesting the way they do it, but also... Just the production of stage shows these days, man. Absolutely unbelievable. There's, there's a section at the end, I won't spoil. There is a section of the show that almost goes into slow motion. It is really, really impressive. Anyway, highly recommended. But let's get back to the main subject of today's show. Um, I'm delighted to say that we have uh, Ron Toledo with us. Ron, good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, and I'm glad you didn't ask me about uh, my Christmas because it was equally boring, uh, but not very relaxing as well. I don't know what it is. Uh, When we do Technovision 2025, I think we all need to take a little New Year's resolution to up our game this Christmas. You're too rock and roll for us, Dave. You're clearly a cut (laughs) on the excitement of your life. We we couldn't handle it. I'd be like, you know. (laughs) No. I'm not sure about that. White knuckle Christmas, Dave Chapman. (laughs) Anyway, Ron, great to see you. Just want to say a little, uh, a, a little bit about yourself. Just introduce yourself and tell us about Technovision 2024. Just set, set the scene. Yeah, I'm, I'm Ron Toledo. I'm a CTO for Capgemini's Insights and Data Global Practice. And next to that, I've already been engaged now for 17 years uh, with a very interesting team uh, creating our yearly edition of Technovision, which is our, uh, our trend series that, that we publish uh, in January every year. 
containing of 37 trends, but nowadays it has become a brand name for a whole series of publications, which includes sector playbooks and executive guide, uh, an application guide and so on. Um, so, so that is, that's, is a little bit of a side job, if you like, but sometimes it feels as a main job as well, because it brings us, uh, on the, on the table of, of many different uh, organizations discussing technology trends. We talked about Technovision 2023. Incredibly, a year has gone past, a year that has seen, as we, as we, I think we talked about at the time, an unprecedented level of innovation in some ways, and maybe in some other ways, uh, not so much. Mm. So I, I wonder what your reflections are on the, on the year and, and where your head was at going into pulling together Technovision 2024. Well, you see, uh, it, it was an unprecedented year, right? Um, it's, it's no secret that the whole generative AI thing sort of sort of made a massive breakthrough at the boardroom level, and and I particularly like that impact of of this whole thing. Mm. It's it's not necessarily the generative AI itself, which, of course, afterwards we will see it as as a smaller part of of a bigger evolution uh, and and a let's say a, a surge of different technologies coming together. Uh, but, but the thing is, it put technology, uh, innovative technology, back on the boardroom agenda. And, and that is what I think is uh, particularly what we've seen last year. And, and to put it on the agenda doesn't necessarily mean you're already executing on it. So I consider 24 very much a year of the truth. Will we actually operationalize a lot of the potential that everybody has seen? Almost too many people have seen too much potential. I, I think before, just before we move on from the point you made there, um, I, I think that point about the boardroom is is actually is is very very good. And and to me, it it's similar to the pandemic in a way. So like, I think mm. what we've seen in maybe the last three or four years is is two major events happening. Obviously, completely unconnected. You know, I assume they're unconnected. Hey, um, yeah, you never know in this world. But yeah, let's say that they are. Um, it is the the pandemic. I think woke boardrooms up to not just the level of technology evolution that had happened, you know, probably over the 10 years that preceded that where boards, let's face it, were much more interested in managing the cost base of IT than they were the technical evolution of what they're doing in their organizations. And the pandemic was a wake-up call on that respect and and started to drive a, a, a maybe a slightly different conversation about tech. And then, as you say, Gen AI comes along, which is almost like an unprecedented step in technology to sort of underpin that conversation. Does that, does that resonate with you, that framing? But, no, but precisely. That, that's exactly what's happening, right? And, and, and that means that, that I personally, and I know many of my colleagues, have, have seen more discussions with, with more people that we typically wouldn't see too much that, than ever before. And, and even to the level that you would say maybe, maybe the expectations are a little bit exaggerated over here. But having said that, it's so good to see it at the boardroom agenda Right and and yeah. been discussing it as a strategic topic, and and having said that, that puts a heavy burden obviously on on everybody in the industry because I do consider twenty four a year in which we have to put the rubber on the road and and actually, yeah. you know, create a certain amount of scale and impact, and and again, not only on generative AI because I think that's uh, that that's very almost naive to uh, to assume that generative AI will sur- solve world hunger. And, and everything else with it, uh, but but still, the fact that we are in a dialogue, the fact that we that everybody sees the potential is uh, is the great thing I believe that happened in twenty three. So you think that we are going from a POC to full industrialization? Well, uh, obviously uh, we'll make moves in twenty four. Full industrialization that's 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 quite a call I believe for, for for one year. But we're definitely going to scale. So, so massive scale, you could call probably industrialization. Uh, we have some time to go over there, but, but obviously we cannot stay stuck in this, uh, this POC world, right? Uh, I think we've seen a lot of uh, proof of concepts by now, and, and it's definitely time to, uh, to scale up these things. And, and if we do it at a massive scale, you, you could call it industrialized at a certain point in time. Whatever's happened... And whatever it comes out of that, and I agree that mastery has to occur, um, huge anticipation is now in the system. So everybody is sat expecting these great things to happen and these IT engines that have been built now have to work out what they're going to do with it. Precisely. And I'm sure there's a few people sat every morning going, scratch their head going, 
I've got to do something with this and it's got to be profound. But what is it? Well, that, that notion of expectation, Rob, actually is, is a great bridge into the question I was going to ask Ron, which is going into Technovision 2024, did you feel that actually we might get a different readership for this? I, kn- I know that, you know, historically, that like board level and C level of people we target for Technovision as a readership, but actually what's going on at the moment is opening up the conversation, right? So did, was that in your mind when you thought about Technovision 24? That, that was absolutely on our minds. And as a matter of fact, we, we have two uh, key documents now. Uh, we have what we call an executive companion, uh, which we released uh, very early already in January. And, and that executive companion is more targeting our executive audience. So it uh, restricts itself in terms of, well, we're, we're covering a few of the you know, most important key trends that we see in the full Technovision document. Mm-hmm. And also we dive a little bit deeper in some of the, what you could call deep technologies. So, so some of the, let's say, deep technological advancements, for example, in terms of chips, in, in terms even of batteries, in terms of space technology, a few of these deeper trends that we see as well. And we pack that together into what we call an executive companion. Right. Uh, because we, we do think we have that audience. And then, of course, there's the audience of the, what you could say practitioners. Could be, could be top architects, could be strategists, could be innovators, could be IT experts, CIOs, CTOs. And, and that's a different, I would say, um, target audience that, that originally was our main audience. And, and we still have that document, obviously, as well. So it contains the full Monty, 37 different trends. It's, it's all very elaborate. It's, it's all also very executable. You have a toolkit that comes with it. It's a playful thing. We'll probably be back on that, on that dimension. So, so we do have two different guides and we do realize we, we have uh, actually a brand new audience as well because more people want to know about, uh, about these, these breakthrough technologies than we've seen before. Let's get into some of the content then. So I think the way that sure. you have got the main body of it structured, I believe you've got a theme for the year, and then yes. you've got the the trends, of which there are 37, but we're going to look, I think, at the sort of the macro trends that go across the top of that. But before we get to trends, let's start with theme. So given what's going on at the moment, walk us into the theme. So what were yes. you starting to think about, and then, and then why have you ended up where you've ended up? You know, you, you should realize that obviously, given the whole uh, supply chain that we have to go through, you, you have to start around summer already uh, of 23 in, in order to get a, a proper release at the beginning of, of 24. Right. So this is exactly what we did. We had a brainstorm already during the summer of 23, and we started to think at that moment in time, we were in the middle, of course, of the generative AI revolution that was going on, which we, I think... Uh, pretty well flagged, by the way, in previous editions of, of Technovision. And, and particularly the 23 edition, of course, that was also, in terms of its visuals, completely generated by AI, which at that time was, was relatively unheard of. So, so we were sort of, we, we had the feeling, okay, but we're, we're in the middle of this type of, of um, revolution. So what will next year look like in, in a time, in an era, in which every week we, we seem to see new breakthroughs? In technology. And then we realized, well, first of all, uh, this will be a year in which we can do things that we deemed impossible before. So the, the notion of augmentation hmm. is a, an important one. And I'm pretty sure we'll be back on the topic a few times during our little conversation. Yeah. But the, the fact that we augment ourselves with technology in order to do things that we deemed impossible before. Um, and that's not only generative AI, but much more than that. I think that's, we, we felt that will be a key a key concept in, in 24, but then we also realize uh, that that uh, in the end, although this is very much technology-enabled and technology-driven, uh, we should not forget that it resolves around us as human beings and, and that we augment ourselves with it and, and uh, not replaced by technology in any specific way. So that's why we call the report uh, Augment Me. So, so augment in lowercase and me in the uppercase, mm-hmm. uh, exclamation mark behind it uh, to, to make the point of me. I think Taylor Swift has a song called me with the in capital letters with an exclamation mark. I, I'm not a Swifty at all, you know, oh. so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. Uh, I'll send you a link afterwards, Ron. Uh, no, don't do that. So that's, that's Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, your music taste lands well yet again. Yeah, mate. You're more a Britney fan, right, Ron? 
Yeah, Britney Spears. Or, yeah, that's or maybe gross. I was thinking Miley Cyrus and Miley flowers Cyrus. and such. But yeah, yeah, I was thinking. Well, well, Miley, Miley, Miley Cyrus with Metallica. That, that's that's that <laughs> oh, would yeah, be like that. Taste. She, that, she did, did that. That's not. I know she's done it. Fusion. I, yeah. No, of course she's done it. And uh, no, I, I'm more of a metalhead, uh, unfortunately. So so the the Taylor Swift of this world are not entirely. Um, you know, useful for me. Maybe but, she can grunt. You you never know. Yeah, I, I doubt that uh, that her uh, target audience would uh, prefer that. Anyway, so getting back to get getting back to augment. Me. Um, <laughs> augment so me. Wh- where I was going to go with it was: Do you see augment me in the point you make around human at the center, uh, human capability being augmented to to push things forward? Do you see that as a step? In a, in a direction that says that actually the human might be augmented out of the situation ultimately, either for certain roles or, you know, in a more, in more, in a more macro sense, which is obviously the paranoia that's surrounding things like AI at the moment. Yeah, but hasn't it always been like that? Uh, I, I think with every major breakthrough in technology that we've seen in the past, which not only includes the computer, but so many other things before that, uh, like like, the you know, the, the locomotive uh, or, or anything like that. Uh, we, we've seen similar type of, let's say, fear or uncertainty in terms of where does that leave us, right? And and I think if you if you take the proper, proper augmentation perspective, uh, you start to realize that that it actually frees you, liberates you, and and, and makes you achieve things that you deemed impossible before but but there is an important payoff in the title of the of the report so it's not only augment me but but it, the, the, the the subtitle actually says elevate your possible rediscover ourselves because what we're saying with it is while we embrace technology more and more and we surround ourselves more with with enabling augmenting technology as a result we actually found out more about what we really are as humans so the more virtual you get uh, the the more augmented you get um, the more the more digital you get you actually understand better what what still makes a real human or a real organization for that matter because this is not only about uh, the personal you know your personal purpose in life and, and the way you see yourself as a human but it's also about the purpose of the entire company if you can automate more if you can generate more if you can make things more seamless even unattended and autonomous then then that makes you rethink not only what you are as, as an individual but also what the purpose of the organization is and we love that it's um we have an editorial in in technovision and we started uh, this might be unexpected uh, with uh, apollo 8 mission which is now 55 years ago, first time that we act, act, actually humans circled the moon in a, in a spacecraft. And, and uh, the lunar um, module pilot was called Bill Anders, and, and he uh, actually made the first photographs uh, of, of Earth while circling the moon. And, and there's this famous picture in which you see Earth rise yeah. in its full glory, and it's called Earthrise. Mm-hmm. And and uh, nowadays, by the way, one of the most iconic, also environmental pictures ever taken. But the thing is, what he said later on was, well, you know, we went out to uh, to explore the moon, but actually we found out about Earth because we look back at the Earth. So so this this dark rock over there, the moon, it's actually not so interesting. But while exploring it, we we rediscovered Earth and we actually saw what what it really is, right? And I don't think it's the same now with with, with Technology such as generative AI, uh, we actually explore it, and, and we go in areas where where we thought we could never come, and now we can actually achieve this. But while doing so, we find out what is real, and and where we actually come from, and Perfect. and what should be the center of what we do. Ron, so you set the scene very well there. Um, augmented humans, human at the centre, rediscovery of of what it means to be human. Let, let's though now walk through the themes. So before we go into each one, just give us a quick summary of all of them and how you see it framing up, and then we'll do a quick walk through each one. So, like like every year, we, we have a series of new trends, and we have a, a series of trends that that are still extremely relevant. The new ones. Uh, are interesting to mention. Uh, the first one is all about the breakthroughs in, in computing t- technologies like quantum computing, but also neuromorphic computing, even synthetic biology. We call this trend OK Compute. Uh, we see some trends in applications, particularly, of course, 
um, low-code and no-code going into um, AI-driven code, which we call when code goes no, which is with a K. Uh, but also we see a new generation of applications emerge uh, that are driven by chat and dialogue rather than uh, through um, the uh, user interfaces that we know from applications. And we call that trend chat as a new super app. In, in the realm of data, we uh, obviously see the breakthrough of, uh, of AI. We, we call this trend My AI Generation, and there's more to it than generative AI, although the, the, the trend name suggests that it's mainly about generative AI. But we also see a lot of things happening around the edge, around the data uh, in edge computing, in devices, in the Internet of Things. We call that the thing with data. Uh, we see a lot happening in process automation, and I will love to discuss that. Uh, we have a new trend like microprocess magic, which, which dives in, into the notion of, you know, uh, splitting up processes in very small, easy to combine and, and to, to exchange uh, components. But there's also the quest for the autonomous enterprise, which, which I think might be one of these very interesting end games that we're moving towards in terms of more technology. And then finally, in, in, the, in the realm of uh, user experience, we, we think user experience has become so fluent so seamless, so intuitive that you actually could talk about a no experience because it doesn't feel truly like an experience anymore. You, you're simply part of it. And, and then in the area of collaboration, uh, we, we first of all realize that people need to be better able to identify themselves as, as individuals in a very complex network of interactions. So to have a distributed own identity we call this trend my identity, my business, is, is a very important, I would say, um, requirement for thriving in a complex ecosystem, which is networked. And, and then on top of that, bring in also the devices, the smart devices, and you get a, a new economy of things, hmm. as we like to call it. So, so these are some of the key trends that we see, and all of them really, if you think about it, uh, have uh, both signs of augmentation. So they help us to do things that were, you know, seemed impossible before. But on the other hand, many of them also help to, re, re, uh, you know, find out again about ourselves mm -hmm. and what we are and what still is very human in, in all of these different uh, technology developments. Let's start with infra and, and yes. hardware and things like chipsets and quantum. So there, there has obviously been Moore's Law over the course of the last number of, Indeed. Uh, what, what is it, the last... 30, 40 years at this point, mm -hmm. um, still broadly holds true, I think. But actually, there's a new generation of computers come in with, with quantum. We've, we've covered quantum on the show. What do you guys think is going to happen over the course of 2024 that might be sort of a material step forward in this space? Well, I think there are two things here to consider. First of all, yes, there's quantum technology. And uh, I, I think many people will agree that, that uh, 24 would not necessarily be the year of breakthroughs in terms of applications of quantum technology. Mm -hmm. But what will be very important to 24 is, is, the, is the fact that we realize that, that in a few years, with, with the, the, the sheer power of, of quantum technology, uh, our encryption standards will be uh, useless and could be very easily broken. And that means that, for example, in, uh, in the United States, you already see a... Um, um, you see already an act coming up, which is called the Quantum Computing Cybersecurity Preparedness Act. Mm. And that is fascin fascinating. If you want to do business uh, in a digital way, soon, uh, with the US, um, you know, uh, you'll have to comply to these standards. And that means for a lot of companies, although I don't think in 24 they will already be, be applying uh, quantum computing at, at any significant scale to solve problems that they couldn't solve before. But that is, by the way, the augmentation promise, of course, of, of quantum computing. But on the other hand, we, we need to uh, already be prepared, you know, almost like a year 2000 or if you like euro type of of, of threshold that, that we are approaching in, in which we need to ensure that a few years from now, uh, we actually will be safe um, based on encryption standards that are not vulnerable to, to the, 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 you know, the, the sheer power of, of quantum computing. So we need quantum safe algorithms. And, 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 and we do think in 24, there will be, you know, that, that we're approaching that, that threshold, that inflection point in which you have to do it. And at the hardware layer also, yeah. not only is that sort of profound step coming, which we need to start preparing for in, in numerous different ways, but, but I think at the hardware level also and at the, at the, at the physical infrastructure level absolutely, is, is where we see a lot of sustainability work that needs to be done as well, right? 
Sustainability, definitely. Um, but but you also see, you, you mentioned Moore's Law, right? And we, and we don't think it's obsolete at all. No. But but it is undergoing a metamor- metamorphosis, right? Um, so so you, you'll see you'll see technologies like, and we don't need to dive too much into it, but there's adoption of vertical stacking in multi-layer structures. There's exploration of non-silicon materials, for example, non-silicon. Mm-hmm. There are also neural lit- lithography techniques. And, and all with that, all that combined, and, and you also apply it in, in new type of factories, big uh, and very effective giga factories, and, and you'll see uh, some some profound changes at the chip level as well. And and that means sooner sooner or later, of course, uh, that we'll be able to do so many more things on top of it at a more sustainable way, be, yeah. because we cannot, um, you know continue to grow look at all of the the impacts on on uh, on computing as a result of of generative ai and we now suddenly of course we, we clearly start to realize that it takes a toll right on uh, on uh, resources and and also is not necessarily sustainable at all so we need that new generation of chips as well they need to be lightweight we need to be able to embed them even more things than we currently do and and they need to come with a lighter footprint and and also given the uh, scarcity of resources that we're currently seeing. Uh, we also need to find uh, new ways of building these chips and, and, for example, not even base ourselves only on silicon. One of the nice things is necessity is the mother of invention and the gen AI revolution and the compute demands have created the necessity and now the challenge has been laid down to the uh, compute providers that you've got to do this more efficiently and more cost-effectively, otherwise we can't afford the exactly. uh, to deliver on the anticipation that that hype cycle has created. Absolutely. And N24 will, of course, be a wake-up call for that. Uh, because with all the enthusiasm, we realize, okay, but, but a lot of this de- you know, depends on, on very powerful computing capabilities. And can we actually justify, if, if only from a cost perspective, by the way, because that could be a very interesting discussion as well. We're getting very, very excited about what we can do with certain technologies. And then it comes, first of all, with a certain price. Because, you know, they're compute cycles and they could be expensive compute cycles because it's on dedicated hardware. And then secondly, you realize, but okay, there's also a lot of power consumption uh, involved here. And there's a lot of potential CO2 emission over here. And we were, after all, on that net zero journey, how are we going to explain that and justify that towards our own people and the outside world? Right. Let's move on to... The app container. Ah, yes, app applications. What I'm hoping you're going to say in this is that we we Uh, are beginning to get to the end of the traditional client-server application masquerading as a a sort of a cloud-native application mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and really truly get into things like loose coupling and things like that architectural concepts rob architectural concepts oh yeah I, I love it dave you're going straight into the what is very important to me is loosely coupled highly cohesive small components easy to manage that's what we all want but we've got to deal with this massive heap of legacy that has served us well let's served be honest. Us well but i think project- on the back you've done a good job time yeah. to take it out to pasture though and get the new uh, the new gang in so ron what do you think are we going to get there this year well, you, you did make a good uh, remark, by the way, about uh, legacy applications. I, I will soon visit the seminar next week, which is actually about uh, the urgency that we see, for example, in the Dutch government about uh, COBOL, which you may um, remember as a programming language. A lot of key applications are written in this language, which uh, I am very old, so, so I still remember having written things in that Working language. storage area. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well. Uh, section, yeah, no, I, I, uh, data division, I, I've worked okay. with all of it. Uh, I, I, I've done my fair share of COBOL programming, but, but nowadays a lot of these systems uh, that were built at the time um, still, still are a, a given. But, but okay, so, so you are right. On one hand, we can talk about uh, surface mesh and, and this whole idea of, of little microservices running on a platform and, and working together as a mesh. And, and, and they are shrunken. And, and by the way, we already had for uh, two years now in Technovision this trend, which we call Honey, I shrunk the applications. <laughs> and and that, is, that is very much this idea of, of um, getting to this level of, of very loosely coupled, um, semi-autonomous type of, of microservices that can work in a uh, opportunistic mesh rather than in a predefined, pre-structured thing. So, so I think that's still going on, frankly. I, I don't think 24 is the year of the breakthrough there because I, I think... In a way, from, from an applications architecture perspective, we've already seen that going on yeah, for it's some not, time. It's, it's, yeah, it's not new, is it? I think it's things like investment cycles and 
you know, kind yeah. of and, and transformation heavy lifting uh, is, is the reality of that for most organizations. And, and, and it's still going on. And, and we know it's an ongoing battle between we need to sort of maintain our legacy and, and sort of rationalize it step by step, but it's difficult. And at the same time, we realize that the next generation of application services is doesn't look <laughs> like like these legacy applications at all. Right. Well, one of the things I've spotted, though, is clients are coming to the realization that it's better just to rewrite from scratch than it is to try and transform in situ. And there's much more of that getting picked up where they continue sure. the business processing over here. The pattern was, we'll try and transform what we've got. And they've actually said it's just easier because we can reinvent at the same time we're rewriting. And that, yep. that lift is changing, and there's this ethos now that says that of the famous R's, the pirate schemes, uh, that rewrite is is becoming much more in vogue and being much more successful and better I'm not sure I can let coming the pirate, out of it. I'm not sure I can let the pirate thing go. <laughs> I was going to let it go, but I've, I've, well, you I've got to let it go, Dave. Yeah, yeah, now we're in trouble, now we're in yeah. trouble right? <laughs> yeah, in reality, it turned out that some applications are not capable of being ported or rebuild yeah, or just, something it, it's, yeah, it's the, just not possible to do it a, absolutely you look at the effort and the toil associated with in situ transformation you just go oh, i'll just rewrite it because we didn't like those business processes anyway now well, there is some criticality in there that it is the core operations a lot of people impact on that but uh, mm. i've seen in 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 very large legacy organizations they've just gone nah, chuck so, it so away, it's too hard Interesting words you used in the middle of that, Rob. That I, I, I thought I might thread a few things together uh, here, Ron, and just and just see what how you guys are thinking about this. So, a lot of the legacy that we're dealing with today, from a from a tech point of view, actually comes from organisations that are effectively trying to take processes and embed those processes into, you know, kind of relatively rudimentary. Let's face it applications and those applications have been good they've been helpful they've allowed things like globalization whether you think that's good or bad but that's that's come from a world of that kind of digitization it seems to me and i wonder if you thought about this in process on the fly and in in terms of also how you leverage data it seems to me that within an organization process is important but it's perhaps less important than humans being able to leverage the right data at the right time to make the right decisions and I wonder if there's like more, we could think about applications a little bit more profoundly than simply encoding processes into something with a, with a data set. It feels like that's being blown up a little bit at the moment. And actually, when you specifically think about the nature of experience you were talking about, how you interact with your data and how you interact with your organization Precisely. can be less process-based and much more intuitive, perhaps. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. Um, actually, if you talk about augmentation in applications, um, in the applications area and the applications trend, I already mentioned this, this new trend that, that I like, which is called Chat is the New Super App. And, and that actually says, well, you know, nowadays, uh, maybe we don't need an applications interface anymore, and right. certainly not as part of a process. We are in a natural dialogue with the system, and we use natural language for it. Some people prefer typing it, by the way. Others prefer using their voice. It's a little bit generational, I sometimes have the feeling. But in any case, you're not aware of an applications interface. You're not aware of a menu structure. You're not necessarily aware of a step in a process in which that application services has a place. No, you're actually in a dialogue with, with your super app agent, which is voice. And, and through a dialogue, through a chat, uh, in which you, by the way, teach the system a little bit what you're looking for in, in order to express your right intention. And, and, and then somewhere, you know, under the hood, uh, microservices or even legacy applications will be, will be triggered and enabled. And there might even be some sort of a, illusion of process flow going on right, underneath right, right. there as well. But but I love that idea. And and the fascinating thing is, uh, if, if we look at Elon Musk, uh, of course, uh, you know, the, who bought uh, Twitter. Uh, I always use the name Twitter, by the way, just to annoy him. Not that he would be aware of it, but I love to talk Twitter <laughs> rather than... Oh, he's X. a subscriber and listener, I'm very sure. I'm very sure. Once he's heard this, Ron, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't suspend be the, it. I, I wouldn't be the only one. And and I'm looking forward to be suspended because that yeah. would be the right moment in time to simply leave it all behind. But but he thought X would be the new super app, right? So the idea is you're you're in Twitter, 
and 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 you uh, you know you, you could find all of the application services in that same user interface where i believe he already already had it in his hands and it might have been the tesla because this has a very good voice assistant on board which you can already use for many different purposes so maybe that is actually the super app that he was looking for i, I believe yeah. that anything around huh. dialogue and maybe also around voice assistants will will actually turn out to be that new super app and then they will have a whole series of li- little plugins, like in the OpenAI components uh, interface architecture, in which you simply plug in dedicated Grok, uh, components. X Grok. Yeah, gro- yeah, that's that's the, the that vision there. That's oh, the, the, the chat front ends. Yeah, yeah, the the, the Gen AI implementation, which indeed, which I, think, I think I thought was fascinating with Grok, was a little bit. I think what you're digging at, Ron, which says actually maybe the interest in Twitter was much less about the social media platform. It was much more about creating a data set that would power Grok. And well, then, of course. And then, and then Grok will be the thing that's ultimately valued at a point that made, that makes the Twitter acquisition make sense. Uh, the name of the thing, Grok, I mean, I don't know. Hitchhiker's thing, isn't it? A bit groggy. I think it's Hitchhiker's, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. It, 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 obviously, Hitchhiker's, but it it's just moody as well. I think yeah. I, I heard that it's got, it's it's quite an opinionated AI, which which I which I quite like the idea of. It's a bit <laughs> like when we're talking about the Afila, and you can get the Afila car, and it can it can respond to you and be a bit grumpy one day, or it can be you know it can well, be happy. Artificially, than artificially grumpy. That is. Huh? Yeah, I think well, we now. always should realize. By the way, yeah. it's, it's, I, it's, I, I noticed you're clinging on to that lifeboat, Ron. No, no, but really, uh, I, I do believe over here talking about augmentation, I, I think, uh, you know, a chat, a chat interface like that could, could indeed simulate or, or artificially be uh, grumpy or, or joyful or, right. or ironic or cynical or whatever. Uh, it's, still, it's still definitely artificial, obviously. I mean, there's a reason why there's the A in AI, right? It's, uh, it's definitely and decisively artificial. That will be um, until the AIs decide they're going to just call themselves eyes. Yeah, yeah, that'll the be singularity. the singularity. What's the singularity? The singularity. I'm, I'm not it. a Taylor Swift. I'm not a Taylor Swift person, but I'm also not a uh, singularity person. Not a singularity. I'm, I'm not well, the Ray Kurzweil guy, frankly. That's probably a whole other podcast. Let's get back to it the is. second. Uh, yeah, to, there's to, another. To the, to the trend. Yeah, there's in, another in, trend in in, yeah, and the, in It's the mashup of those three things to me, like apps, data, and process on the fly, and how those things may fundamentally end up changing organizations in ways at the moment, you know, it, it may be hard to envisage. How do, how do you see the macro effects of these things? Maybe not in 24, maybe stretching out, I don't know, five years. So at the moment we talk about organizational transformation, it could be framed with the word mm-hmm. digital, or it could be framed with the word yeah, cloud native. And, and I'm quite a believer that digital organizations and cloud native organizations do look different. They do work differently. They're philosophically different to Indeed. Um, d- traditional organizations. Do you see what's going on here as an extension of the digital organization, or is it like a next generation thing that we're, that we're scratching on here? Well, frankly, I've, n- I've never really liked the word digital, but that's maybe because I was already too conscious in the 80s, and, and I do sort of associated with 8-bit type of Pong games or something, digital, you know, it's, it's, I I just see a zero and a one. Interesting thing, by the way, is that, that with new forms of, of computing, um, like quantum computing, it moves away from the zero and one digital worlds. Mm -hmm. Can we still call this digital if we would be applying, uh, quantum computing, for example? I don't think so because it's decisively not. What's the new word? Coin it, Ron. Come on. (laughs) You must have a new word in your head. This is what you do. You're a highly creative person. What's, uh, what replaces digital? Well, I, I have, I have, uh, frankly, no idea. But uh, that's a nice, that's a nice challenge to find out. I think about that's it. something. What I it could be? Technovision twenty twenty five, Ron. We want that word. Trailing yeah. it for January twenty twenty five. Digital well, okay. becomes, mm-hmm. and then there's a you know a big ta-da moment. I think that'll be you know title of the next report. Yeah, the, the next report could be could be featuring that word. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of course, we already said in the past, digital transformation, that, that's sort of like a pleonasm, right? It says the same thing, like a burning fire. Of course, it's a burning because it's a fire, right? And it's the same with digital transformation. Any transformation nowadays would be considered digital. Um, so so that's, I, I mean, nowadays, every business is a technology Let's business, it, some, right? Some are better than others, though. Yeah, well, some more than others. Yeah, yeah, I think you have to be courageous to take on the full potential of it, even, you know, of the D word. Yeah, yeah. No, but but when you bring it all together, you're right. And it's not only uh, the applications architecture, it's not only uh, infrastructure, cloud cloud native, 
Uh, it's not only data oriented. It's even not just process automation. Uh, still need to touch a little bit on that. But but if but it's also, for example, what some people call the web free, right? This, this notion of a very loosely coupled business mesh, if yeah. you like, in, in in which we can actually combine business services um, in the same in the same way that that application services would be combined based on a chat on a dialogue and it could be based on an intention right and and we'll have these multi-agent multi-modal type of systems not only generative ai but but many more smart components that be work would be working together seamlessly to to achieve an objective and, and that brings us back to to the notion of the purpose of the company what is actually the objective or the series of objectives that we're trying to achieve. And, and then when, when we weave that all back to almost a conversational dialogue in terms of what is our intention, how can we express that purpose? And, and then what is, what is the entire digital, if you like, um, landscape underneath that we could activate and mobilize to achieve and optimize uh, th- that purpose and, and these objectives. And uh, I simply love this idea. Uh, a few years ago, I already coined this idea of uh, Alexa run my business. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, you know, you, you have a personal assistant and, and Alexa at the time was big. Might come back, by the way, voice assistants for the reasons we just discussed. I think, but, it's, in, I think it's inevitable. Yeah, it's inevitable. And, and, then you, and then what you need to do is, of course, be very clear and intentional about what you want to achieve as a company, so, as a purpose. So maybe we can draw our conversation to a bit of a close around that topic. And so just as a reminder, we've gone through sort of infrastructural components, future of applications, we've touched mm-hmm. on data, decomposing processes, and then new ways of collaborating and user experience. There's a lot in all of that. So oh, yeah. applying it to real life then, and how you might actually get your head around this in the way that you've just described, how do you mobilize all of this stuff, all of this noise, in support of the purpose of my organization. Exactly. Well, well. first of all, I think Technovision is designed to, uh, to cut through the noise, um, you know, in order to successfully prompt whatever future you see for you and then use Technovision as a, as a resource, as a framework to, to actually uh, find your way, um, you know, in the middle of all the, if you like, mess or noise or whatever it is. So, so first of all, Technovision is a very uh, playful framework to do it. Uh, by the way, what we haven't discussed so far is what we call the design principles. We have seven principles that are not about the what, what are the actual technology trends, but it's more about the how. And, and one nil in it is, is very much, I think, leading the way in terms of how, how to deal with this as humans. And we call that AI will be the judge of that. And, and what we're saying there is, uh, well, you know, there's, there's a new level of judgment here between man and machine, right? Um, we, we obviously see that more things can be done automatically and autonomously by, by very smart AI agents that do it on behalf of us. But where's the judgment there in terms of what you want to leave to uh, a system, a, a, a augmenting a system of services that that sort of answers to us and, and understands our purpose and tries to work towards it versus what's the role of the, the, us as humans in, in judging what we leave up to a system and, and what uh, we leave up to us because we fundamentally consider it our realm. Um, so so first of all, that, that's a very new balance act. I believe there's a new uh, symbiosis, if you like, between man and machine that we need to achieve in the forthcoming years. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely a shift because I, I do think we can leave things up to uh, the, the systems around us, the technology around us. But having said that, we, we should not lose ourselves and find our place and, and our unique place also in applying that judgment uh, right. to situations. So, so first of all, that, that's, that's the design principles. And there are more, and, and, and mindset is often, and culture uh, and, and, and you know, perspectives on change are usually more important than the actual technologies. So that's first. Well, secondly, Technovision is, as many people know, is, is a very playful framework. So, so we like to engage both pe- people at the business side and the technology side, as far as you can still distinguish that. Uh, we like to bring them together, use the 37 trends in all sorts of creative ways. It's not only a PowerPoint deck or a PDF that you have to battle your way through, but we actually also apply card decks and uh, cardboard boxes in, in all sorts of very... I think mobilizing interactive workshops in, in which we in which we simply create joint 
technology-driven stories uh, that, that we can share, that, that we can live and breathe, that, that we can actually appreciate uh, because we build it ourselves in, in, in a series of concepts that everybody can embrace, not only technology people, but also, um, uh, let's say, business people. Again, if, if you can still really separate uh, the two. So, so this is really a matter of uh, realizing that it's not only part of the IT um, uh, department or the data department or even the digital transformation department, if, if you still want to call it like that. But it's actually a matter of, of getting this into the veins of the entire organization. And you have to do it in a playful way, in an actionable way. Uh, and that's why I always say technovision is not a right word. Uh, first of all, techno. It's much more than techno because we're interested in business impact and business change through technology. And secondly, it's not a vision. Well, it's also a vision. Uh, it's, it's a nice piece of thought leadership, but much more than that, it's an actionable framework. And, and that framework, it's almost like a toolbox with a whole series, um, more than, than um, you know, two dozens of different ways of engaging with these 37 trends and use them in all sorts of very interactive ways to uh, weave together these stories. And it's all about storytelling and sharing stories, I believe, in order to be successful. Jacques, what have you been looking at this week? So each week I do some research on related ideas in transformation and tech. And this week I thought we should take a look at what various industry experts think will be the tech trends for 2024. So each year Forbes publishes the expected tech trends for the new year. And this year there was a total of 20 trends published, mostly around AI, of course. But there are other emerging trends as well that will dominate the conversations and company initiatives in this new year. And I see a lot of similarities with the trends that are in Technovision, such as automation, which will be extremely important as IT teams are expected to do more with less. Digital twins. One expert says that this year will going to be the year of the digital twin. Finally, there will be a single pane of glass. And of course, there's brain-computer interfaces, quantum computing, and much more. So a question. What do you think will be the biggest trend for 2024 and what should organizations really focus on well uh Schauke, as you said and it's not a surprise that, that forbes or, or for that matter any other trend watcher or, or trend prediction would, would gear around ai so so that's obvious and and as i would as i would elaborate on that uh, it will be the year of scaling up uh, ai and realizing there are multiple flavors and not only generative ai so so that's, that's a very important thing to realize. I, I love the point of automation. As a matter of fact, um, after our discussion over here, I'm currently involved in multiple clients. One very interesting client, won't mention a name, but they are really, really um, interested in, uh, in, in high levels, uh, extended levels of automation, all the way up towards autonomous enterprises that sort of run themselves. So I, I like automation a lot. Um, I think we flagged the digital twins already a few years ago, even dedicated one technovision report more or less to it. But, but nowadays, of course, if you combine digital twins with, uh, with let's say, augmented reality, uh, then, then you start to realize uh, I, I, could, I could actually visualize digital twins and make it much more alive. Uh, and then what I would say, particularly uh, with a lot of, uh, organizations that didn't, uh, you know, didn't see digital twins so far, like banks or insurance companies that don't have that many physical assets. And now they start to realize if you make a digital twin of a business process or an organizational entity, then, then you can do the same very juicy things that you can do with digital twins. You, you can collect data, you can create time series, you can unleash all sorts of analytical um, you know, analysis uh, on it, you can simulate. And in the end, that would help you to, to, make, to create more autonomous, more self-optimizing, uh, more effective uh, processes as a result. One of the things that I think is interesting when you look at a number of trends that come out, you know, this time of year, there is an optimism in them. And, yeah. and some would say potentially an optimism bias. And I, and I want to go back to the point that Rob made earlier, which is connected to the boardroom conversation and the level of expectation that has been set around some of this stuff and, and, and the practical aspects of actually responding to it. So what are we thinking about that? Like, cause when, when I look at, you know, a number of organizations that I'm working with at the moment, you look at, you look at their transformation, you know, three year plans 
and they're almost you know insanely mundane in a lot of ways they're dealing with problems that are like deep legacy or deep technical debt or mm. the deployment of another gigantic ERP system or or whatever and then they've got some of the concepts where we've been talking about and I'm not talking about everybody there's a lot of digital twin for example already in in production and things like that but a lot of the core concepts we've been talking about are, are, are almost skunk work to the side rather than mainstreamed in transformation so I wonder is is there a leapfrog that organizations could potentially do here to some of these newer technologies maybe you think they could and skipping a generation and avoiding the mistakes of the past is always very sensible and that's what the power of the startup is isn't it i don't have all this legacy and rubbish i need mm. to be able mm. to deal with um though there are some significant basics that still need to be in that boardroom as well that we've discussed on previous episode most notably security and cyber security continues to be a massive issue for many organizations and the ability to secure themselves and we've had we've seen nation state interference with these platforms rising as well so you've got all this i need to do this new to transform my business and get on with that but i do think the conversation does still have to be rooted in sometimes the basics are still very important and what is interesting in the themes and the optimism points very good dave is that sometimes the boring things that are still the essentials don't always play forward and we think that's just table stakes but for many organizations security posture needs to be a little bit more than table stakes to make sure that they're properly positioned to be able to defend themselves against the more nefarious people in the world who would want to nick their data as well. So there's that there's that theme that has to play along all these optimistic ones. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And, and let's actually end what's been a, a very far-reaching conversation today on, on that note of practicality and, and uh, safety. Ron, it is always a pleasure talking to you. Likewise. Good to see you. Technovision 2024 is available online now, both the executive summary version and the full version. And we heartily recommend you go and uh, take a look at that. There'll be links to it and such like in the, uh, in the show notes. But Ron, we end every episode of our podcast by asking our guests what they're excited about doing next. And that could be something in your personal life, booked at the weekend, or it could be something in your professional life. So Ron, what are you excited about doing next? Hey, I, I always have excellent restaurant uh, uh, appointments coming up, you know, because it's my main hobby. So, so that's 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 you would almost say business as usual if, if it wasn't so much fun every time again. Um, in in terms of uh, my, my professional life, I, I still look are looking to reinvigorate that idea of that book. Uh, Alexa, run my business. Uh, as we discussed, uh, already coined that a few years ago. And, and nowadays, uh, I feel that we have many more technologies and cases that actually stipulate, actually underpin uh, that claim. So, so I hope I'll, I'll be able to find um, um, some time to, uh, to work on it. And, and for the rest, I'm, I'm still working. Uh, if we're talking about music, yes, I'm not a Taylor Swift fan uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, I do like to work a little bit on surf rock myself as well. You so should give uh, Taylor yeah, Swift no, a bit of a chance. I'm a, I'm a bit of an undercover re- recording artist as well. So I'll be working on a few pieces of uh, of, of, of very dysfunctional surf rock music yeah. as well. And I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to that. Send us some links. Send us I, some links. I, I will. I will. I would love to, I would love to hear that. So a huge thanks to our guest this week, Ron. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks also to our sound and editing wizards, Ben and Louis, our trendy producer, Marcel, and of course, to all of our listeners. We're on LinkedIn and X, Dave Chapman, Rob Kernahan, and Xiao Kizal. Feel free to follow or connect with us and please get in touch if you have any comments or ideas for the show. And of course, if you haven't already done that, rate and subscribe to our podcast. See you in another reality next week.